Well, how many of you guys have told God, thank you for the cold weather? Anybody? Has anyone cursed the cold? Don't raise your hand. You're in church. All right. Well, it was 16 degrees, it said this morning. Uh, the car didn't want to get crank up because it's like, it's too cold to even go anywhere. So let's just stay home. Anybody feel that need? There's probably more watching by Facebook and YouTube this morning because um, it's cold, cold outside. Well, uh, I remember living in Boston during the uh, start of winter, and we were supposed to train. I was supposed to go to boot camp in Orlando and then train for my school in Pensacola because it was naval intelligence. And so I thought I was going to be excited to finally get to go and live at the White Coast for a while. And then my um, recruiter was missing. Couldn't find my recruiter. He was supposed to take me to the airport there in Charlotte. And he was missing and found out his, uh, the other guy worked in the office. Said, I think he's probably at the laundromat playing poker. And so we drove over to the laundromat, and sure enough, he had his tile crooked, and he was, he was actually playing poker when I was supposed to be on a flight. So I get on a late flight, miss my flight, put me on a different flight, and I asked the lady I, when I got on the flight, I didn't know what a stewardess was. I'm from the country, never flown before, and I'm, we're flying. We take off. We taxi and take off, and I said, ma'am, do you work here? That's a big duh, right? Uh, she said, honey, yes, what do you need? And I said, um, how long is it going to take us to get to Orlando? And she says, sweetie, we ain't going to Orlando. We're going to Chicago. I said, oh, we got to turn around. I'm on the wrong plane. She goes, that's not how it works. And so we get to uh, uh, Chicago, and I realize that, uh, no, I'm, we have orders. If you've ever been in the military, how many veterans are you in the room? You basically transfer on orders in a brown paper bag and a, a sack or envelope, and you hand those off to the right person, whoever the right person is, and you're not supposed to open them. So I took my pocket knife and I <laughs> cut them open. And Great Lakes Detachment is what I was sent off to. I was supposed to be in Chicago. I slept overnight in O'Hara Airport. If anybody knows and been there before, it's a monster. And I had a buck knife about this big, and I'm sleeping with it covered like this on the turn cell. I, I didn't know where the luggage came out. I didn't know any of these things. And then they picked me up late, asked me why I missed my flight, grilled me and said, you know, and they went down this whole thing that the Navy and Navy speak how sorry I was because missing my my flight in the bus. Get to boot camp. Of course, we train, and then they, they, congratulations, you made it through school. You're going to go off to school, and they're going to send you to Boston. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm supposed to go to Pensacola. Nope, doing a new thing. Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines are all training in the same, same base, an Army base. We're going to train you so you work together, and then we're going to send you out to do your tasks so you can work better together. Of course, that was miserable. It didn't work well either uh, because we did nothing together. But when we got there, they gave, the Army had buses because it was an Army base for the winter. The Air Force, of course, had luxury liners uh, driving them back and forth to school. It was a mile and a quarter to school. The Army had buses. The Air Force had buses. Uh, the Marines, they even had buses. The Navy, you know what we got? Rubber boots and parkas. And we had to march a mile and a quarter to school in snow. You had to push through on the sidewalks. You had to shovel. Some of the guys were shoveling, but you had to walk through this stuff. So I learned about cold. And I, that's when I started learning to thank God for the South, right? And so when it gets cold like this, it just is a quick reminder that don't leave Aiken, South Carolina, right? <laughs> We're in a sweet spot. So, and, and listen, and when we train, sometimes you wonder, why, God? Why do we have these experiences? God's doing some things. Have you guys actually have had, uh, you've even got a little, if you're married, you get a little closer, right? When it gets warmer, you just kind of get a little closer unless your, your mate's cold-natured, Right? Then you're like, get off me, quit touching me because I'm freezing already. Or you turn the heat up a little bit. Let me do this for you because it's going to be summer in the south here real soon. And guess what we're going to do? We'll be griping and complaining how hot it is. Let me encourage you today to give the Lord thanks for the cold weather. Let me encourage you today to give the Lord thanks for uh, just all the things he does. Have an attitude of gratitude no matter what's going on. And if you do need help, obviously, if there's, if there's a hardship in your family, you need firewood or whatever you might need. We have guys cutting wood all the time. Or if you need help, need a place to stay. If your power goes out, by all means, call the church. Let us know so we can actually help one another. That's what we're here uh, to do. We're a family of God. So let's get our Bibles out today, and let's go. We're going to do some fact-checking today. Now, you're going to say, that's a no-brainer. We got this. We know this, Pastor. It's a duh moment, if you will. Well, this morning's sermon is going to be a duh moment for you. You're going to get it in like no-brainer. The children know the answer to this. And we'll ask the children some of the questions. 
But I want you to see this as we read this. Paul's trying to write to the church at Corinth. They're, he's still answering questions. They had so many questions because they were new believers in the new church. How do you actually bring this thing together? Even us as a 21st century church, uh, we're still asking questions. How do we do it? What do we do next? What do we do with discipleship? What do we offer for catalysts? Uh, what book of the Bible should we be preaching through? What questions should we be answering? Because we all have questions and answers. And sometimes when you look at somebody, you can look at them and think they have it all together. Did you know? Look around. Look to you left and right. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor, say, I don't think you got it all together. Uh, because they don't. No one has it all together. There's not one person in this room that has it all together. They might try to fake it till they make it, but you're never going to make it because uh, you can't get there because we're all maturing and growing as we get older day by day. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read some elementary scripture, but it's very powerful for us to understand today what God's trying to say to us. Paul's going to pick up, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? The answer is, it's still part of the body. It is part of the body. Verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Answer, it is part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Answer, wouldn't be. And I know these are elementary, but let's answer them because there's question marks in your Bible. You have to answer these questions sooner or later if you believe the Bible. If the whole were hearing, where would this, uh, be the smelling? The answer, wouldn't be. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Remember, who's setting the body? The one that created it. Aren't you glad he didn't put your nose on the middle of your back? Aren't you? I am. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? The answer is, it wouldn't exist because you wouldn't have one. Verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, if I, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those, on these we bestow great, greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and the members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Verse 29, the question is, let's answer the questions while we read them. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Come on, y'all, get loud on that. Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret tongues? Paul says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts, yet and yet I show you a more excellent way. And we're going to see the more excellent way when we get to the end of the notes today. Let me pray for us, and as we pray, you go, how am I going to get something out of today's message? Well, we're going to, hopefully the Lord's going to speak to you because if you understood this passage, you wouldn't be the way you are. Let's pray. Father God, give us understanding today. This is, you've put your word so clearly in our hearts and in the text, in our language that we understand. We go almost a duh moment that the eyes and the ears all need each other. But yet yeah, we lose this in the clouds whenever it comes to making practical reality out of this in the church. You're comparing our human bodies with that of the body of Christ. We can understand what the hand's supposed to do. We understand what our feet are supposed to do. And we don't fully know all the anatomy of the body if we haven't been given to the medical field. But, Lord, we understand the basics. We can render first aid even to someone in need. And we can, we can help children 
uh, with their boo-boos and all the different things that they have. And you'll, Lord, still miss it as a grown adult here in the body of Christ. It's amazing to me that we as a people can have such great intellect and still miss it. Lord, help us today not miss it. If we take nothing else away, let us not miss it today. Walking out of here with knowledge and wisdom, with obedience and trusting. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. All right, I can end the sermon right there, right? It's over. But I'm a Baptist preacher, so I can't. And there's something you need to know. Let's get to your notes. If you didn't get a bulletin today, raise your hand. The ushers will bring you a bulletin. Anybody need a bulletin when you came in? Did, I know they probably already offered you one. I was upstairs. All right. Well, I don't see any hands, but this is important for you to know. Today's simply a fact check. And you say, well, this is not a very strong message. I hope it's strong enough to move you from the pew to doing what God's called you to do. Fact check today. All members of the body are useful, which is a no-brainer fact check. What's fact check number one? The human body does not consist of one part, but of many limbs and organs. Isn't that advanced? Isn't that a hard sale right there this morning? You would say what to that? Duh, duh, or hopefully we're in church, so we have to say amen, okay? We'll be more a little more religious, all right? Amen. We understand the human body is built this way. No one, and it, we know people with abnormal body uh, builds. When there was a guy that spoke at First Baptist North Augusta. He had no arms and no legs. He was born that way. Uh, we understand there's people with, with uh, deformities, but for the most part, everybody hold your hands up. And, and if you're missing, I'm sorry. Look, everybody hold your hand up. For the most part, look around. How many fingers do you have? Little kids say five. <laughs> there's usually ten fingers, ten toes, and we know there's surgeries and things that doesn't break that. But around the world, you'll go and put your hand up somebody and give somebody a high what? High five. You don't give them a high four, three, or two, or one. You usually give a high five or Give it down low, right? We even do this. Uh, we do kids, the football players, well, they'll take their feet and they'll dance and they'll, they'll do different things. When we talked about this morning in Catalyst, if you, something flies into your eyes, what do you do? What responds? Anybody just keep walking? Like, yeah, I'm tough. That soft little tender eye, what, is it, what happens when something sweeps into it or if you're cutting wood or whatever and something chips off, what do you do? It closes. Your eyelids go around the eyeball, typically, right? Your What's going to happen is you start watering right immediately because your brain's telling your body how to respond. What do your hands do? Ah, you start either rubbing if you do it wrong, right? You should be able to pull your eyelid down and water it out and try to move it around. Uh, but what, and what does your mouth do? Everybody do that, right? Your feet start moving. What happens? You get a little dance going on. And then when you get somebody comes and rescues you, another body part, another body comes to you, opens up your eye and gets a little tissue or something and gets it out, what is the response? <sighs> yeah. Your lungs get involved. Your mouth gets involved. Your whole body's like, whew, right? It's over. All right. Don't want to do that again. And you kind of do this for a while, and then you move on about your day. How many of you have ever broken a bone? You've ever broken a hand, a foot, or another part of the body? We understand when it's broken, it doesn't work. Can you still use it if it's broken? Well, maybe. What if somebody, if you played ball, could you still play with a broken hand? You could, but you're going to try to put it up and, st and stop something. What's going to happen when it gets hit? More pain, right? Excruciating pain. And then what happens if you have pain in your hand? What happens? You ever slammed your finger in with a hammer? Other hand grabs it and protects it. Mouth says some things, usually the 23rd Psalm, right? And there's this hopping and hooping about the owie, owie, right? And the mouth does it again. You say, Pastor, that's elementary. We all experience that. Yes, it is. And that's why the Holy Spirit wrote, told Paul, write this down. It's so elementary that anyone, new Christian, old Christian, can understand this. We happen to want to jump sometimes, if you're not careful. Me and Adrian were talking about it. We are talking to some other people this morning. That many people want to jump to the, oh yeah, oh, gifted with the gift of tongues. And we want to put it right out front. And that's what church is all about. It's the hyper, 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 let's get it going. It's got to be the crazy, right? The crazy shows that you're full of the Holy Spirit. That's not what Paul's saying. But that's what we made of the church today. And if you don't have the anointing, if you don't have the, if you're not falling out in the spirit, if you, if you don't have the second baptism, if you don't have all these different things that people want to lay on you and say, this is what 
the Word of God says, and it does talk about tongues. I'm, you heard me read it, and I'll preach about it today. But it's not all about the excitability of the human. It's not even about the doctrine of the man who stands back here. It's about the doctrine of God, whose God's, his word says to us, this is how you should live in the church. It's the body of Christ. And is your member, what if you just constantly just walk around your hands doing this, and it just slaps yourself in the face all the time. You just, you're just constantly slapping yourself. You just can't stop it. Everywhere you go, everybody knows you as the slapper, right? Get away from that right hand because Smith, he's got a quick one, right? That's, that's about the way the church is sometimes today that we get so, we like, we hear somebody, quote unquote, speaking in tongues. We see someone flipping out or we see someone, and God's word said, and they want to preach and spit. And that's, there's nothing wrong with strong preaching. I like it and I get into it sometimes. But sometimes if we're not careful, we think the exercise of the human is actually what's bringing glory to God. Can you worship God being totally quiet? Can you worship God in singing? In the preaching? Yes, you can, but I want to warn you today, don't get carried away by false doctrine. Don't think somebody's more spiritual than you are because they put on a better show than you. Are they clapping a little louder than you? Are they raising hand and throwing themselves around? You can do all that, right? That's not You're not less spiritual because you do that, but you're not less spiritual because you don't do that. Understand that the body is in order. If that right hand's slapping you, you need to get that thing looked at, okay? Right? And in the church, we just call it spiritual. How many people on television today, you watch, if you watch any televangelist, what are they going to do? They're constantly drawing you in, right? And I want to lay a word before you, and I want to cast a vision, and they're going to tell you what your future holds. And let me tell you, if your future does not, how many times does it happen? If it's not being fulfilled, they're a false prophet. In the Old Testament, they would have been stoned to death. But today, we just look at over and go, he just missed it by, right? The coming of Jesus. How many crazies have said when Jesus was coming back? Have y'all heard, ever heard anybody preach when Jesus is coming back? The day he's coming back? Because they've done these charts, numerology, they put it together. They've studied the Jewish rabbis, and now they've come back, and this is the day he's coming back. And if somebody knows exactly the day he's coming back, run far, far away. Now, the times, we can look at the times, right? The birth pains are, they're pumping pretty good right now, are they not? That baby's coming. Amen? If you ever had a child, you know what I'm talking about. The Bible says that's the way the coming of the Lord's going to be. The birth pains are going to get so great that we can understand, hey, the time is now. And brothers and sisters, I believe the time is now for the Lord to return. I believe he's coming, and I believe it's soon. But if you set a date, what happens when people set a date? Oh, oh. My math was bad. I forgot to add in the year of Jubilee. I forgot to add in all this stuff. And they'll set another date. And then usually they just fade off and they're obscure people because they missed it. But they made a ton of money by the time they missed it. And usually it's about being a self-made man or self-made millionaire and then go, oops, sorry, my bad. Give me a fresh start. Let's start over. God does give fresh starts, but I think if you actually do that as a minister, and you use the, the gospel as a way to make tons of money, I think you should give it all back. I think you should go back to the ox and tread out the grain and get paid what an ox is worth. If you make millions of dollars on the church, something's wrong with the church of that church and something's wrong with that leader. Let's look, I want you to look at this fact check number two. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. It is. Is that theologically deep? It actually is theologically deep. You know why? Because the scripture teaches that. Imagine your hand talking. I know there's sign language. Would you imagine your hand saying that? Let's continue. Watch. Fact check number three. If the ears should say, because I am not an eye, I'm not, I'm not part of the body. It is. I'm going to go somewhere with this and hang with me. Fact check number four. If the whole body were an eye, there would be no sense of hearing. You said, we just read that. I told you it was going to be elementary today, did I not? Hold on because I'm going to get most of you because I know who serves at this church and who doesn't. So you're about to get a whammy. If you don't leave too soon, because it's coming. All right? Can y'all see the tide? We were just at the uh, the uh, beach this week and saw the tide coming in. It's coming, right? You can see it curling, and here it comes. I want you to know the the tide is curling. All right? So we're going to go somewhere. Let's continue. Let's continue to fact check number five. If the whole body were an ear, there would be no sense of smell. Anybody still out of the duh moment, right? Or the amen? Fact check number six, as to the makeup of the body, God has placed and arranged each part just as he was pleased. God decided. 
Anybody ever argue with God why he put a thumb? How many of you guys actually count the thumb as a finger? Raise your hand if you count the thumb as a finger. You ever heard somebody astutely go, the thumb's not a finger, it's a thumb. Okay, call it like you see it, but guess what? It's a finger. Because I said, how many fingers do you have on one hand? You said five. Right? All right, so the thumb's a finger. It's an odd, how many have the straight thumb like I do? Anybody got the bendy, the kind of like hitchhiker thumb where it goes this way? Check and see. Everybody put your thumb on and see. Oh, Caitlin, yours is a woo. Yours is going west hard. Let's see. All right. Zach, yours is going east. All right, yeah. So what we do is basically, even though we have thumbs, our thumbs look different, right? Some are curled forward. Some are back. Back, can't bend it. We understand the hand. But what? Let's continue. It's going to get, we're going somewhere. Trust me, this train's moving. All right, here's another fact check. Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to demonstrate his point by using our God-designed human body as a picture of the unity of believers within the body of Christ. Here's a big, here's a big statement. Make sure you get this right. Christian unity comes with Christian maturity. Would you agree with that, yes or no? And we're never going to be, just so you know this, forever in a day till, the, till Jesus comes, the church will never be 100% unified. Does everybody understand that? We, but that doesn't mean we don't strive to be unified. We work till Jesus comes. We'll look at some other scriptures. Listen, our job is to bring us together. Uh, when we have Pentecostal friends, when we have other friends that are Methodists and Presbyterians, can we come together around the, the name of Jesus Christ? The answer should be what? Yes, it should be yes. But if a brother comes up and says, because, brother, let me just tell you, you haven't had the second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Someone hadn't laid on their hand, you received the Holy Spirit, therefore you don't have the Holy Spirit. I've been going for about 26 plus years, maybe 30 something more years, and I've never received the second baptism of the Holy Spirit. No man's ever put his hands on me to give me the Holy Spirit because God put his spirit on me and gave him to me, himself to me, the day I was born again. I received regeneration by the Holy Spirit the day I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and life, and I've never been the same ever since. The baptism of the Holy Spirit you receive the day of regeneration. The very moment that you receive the Lord Jesus Christ is the very moment that you're baptized into Christ. You're in the body of Christ that very moment. You don't need a secondary thing. You don't need a third. Matter of fact, you don't even need water baptism to be saved. You are regenerated at the very moment of belief. It's God who comes to you and says, I want you to come to my party. I want you to be a part of my family. And you had to make a decision today, and some of you still today, will you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We're asking the questions, but it's God who's drawing you to himself. If I can talk you into it, someone else can talk you out of it. So it's God. When you hear the message, that's why the Bible says, listen, we transmit this message through the foolishness of preaching. I'm preaching about a hand and a foot talking to each other. How foolish does that sound? It's coming straight from the Word of God. You are regenerated at the moment of salvation, at the moment of belief. Now, you are sanctified at that very moment as well, but you're also gradually being sanctified day by day by day. The more that you give of yourself to the Lord, the more Bible study you do, the more time that you pray, God is just moving you like a checkered piece on down the road because he wants you to grow up and be a man or woman of understanding who leads others through the gospel of Jesus Christ and through discipleship. Your journey doesn't end the day you get saved. It's just beginning. You have a lifetime of service to the Lord. Imagine if your hand says, okay, well, congratulations. You've turned 20. I quit. I've done 20 years of work for you. I quit. How many of you guys will be upset with your hand? Anybody upset with your hand? Or your head, the sides of your head say, I don't want to get up anymore. That's called vertigo, right? I have it sometimes. Anybody else have vertigo? When your head's like this, you're like, oh, Lord, let me make it to the, to the kitchen or where I got to go or to the couch, right? When the body doesn't work right, it can mess you up, right? One part of the body can mess up the rest of the body. It's the way it is in the church today. Now, y'all do know we're not talking about the body, this body. You do know the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to you. Everybody's going to be quiet. Like, where's this going? Everybody take your finger like this. Come on, everybody, I know it's elementary, and I know some of you are like, I'm so proper, I can't do this, right? Say, God is talking to me. All of you didn't do it. Do it again, one more time. God 
is talking to me. He's talking to you. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, God is talking to you. Now, I don't think you're an eye. I don't think you're an ear. I don't know all those. I don't want to relate all those metaphors there together because he goes back and actually gives some jobs in the church. Now, this was the church at Corinth that had no Bible. This was the church at Corinth that had probably some old manuscripts from the Old Testament, but they had no New Testament scriptures. So when God would have a prophet speak, what would the prophet speak about God? What would he say? This said the word of God. If a prophet just had, if I, let's say we're on Old Testament times, and I preached, thus said the word of God, as a prophet of God. Remember a prophet, if you remember the peas, right? There was a prophet and a priest. A prophet would hear from God, from God to the prophet, prophet to the people. Got it? And then the priest was from the people to the priest, from the priest to God. Does everybody understand? That's how the peas work. God the prophet, prophet the people, people to priest, priest to God. That's why the Roman Catholics still keep their traditions of having a priest hear your sins and absolve your sins if you do so many Hail Marys or so many Our Fathers. That's not what the Bible teaches today because we're in the New Covenant. The Bible says Christ is our high priest and we have direct access that we can come boldly before his throne 24-7. No matter what happens in your life, you have access to the Father if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need a priest to confess to. You don't need a pastor to confess to. As a matter of fact, I think you're in violation of Scripture when you go to another man or another woman to confess your sins because you're saying, I, you make me feel comfortable. God, I feel judged by God. Can I tell you something? You are judged by God. But he said you're worthy to receive the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, because his judgment for that sin was put on him. So God judges you righteous. But he tells you, you will say about your sin what I say about your sin because I want you to understand because that same statement's true, Christian unity comes with Christian maturity. That's why this whole series has been called Grow Up. It wasn't an insult to us as a church. It was an insult to me. It was something God wants the church of all generations to understand. It's time to grow up. As you mature, you'll unify because you'll say, well, God says so, therefore it is so. I don't like this, but... If it brings about unity in the body of Christ, I don't want to cause division. You understand? And then your life will be the same way. When you go out into the community, people are like, what's wrong with you? You're different. You have joy. I don't understand that. Aren't you mad that they fired you? Aren't you mad you got demoted at work? Aren't you mad about this or that? And you go, I don't like it. I like, I'd rather have the money, but you know what? To God be the glory. Naked I came into this world. Naked I'm going to leave, right? That's what Job said. So let's glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I want to, if you would, for a second, go over, hold your place and go over to John with me. John chapter 17. You know, this is the prayer of Jesus. And by the way, if you ever feel depressed or down and you want to just know what God thinks about you, go over and read John 17 just in your, I know you like to read the Psalms and the Proverbs, go over and read John 17. This is, it's in red letter edition, right? If you got a red letter edition of the Bible, this is Jesus speaking about his disciples this is Jesus speaking about you as well. Watch what he says in, in John chapter 17, verse 11. Jesus says this. He's speaking to the Father, and he says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, uh, and, and come to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be, what's your Bible say, one as we are. Can you be unified in the body of Christ with God the Father. You should be. Can you be unified in the body of Christ in Jesus Christ? You should be. Can you be unified in the body through God the Holy Spirit? You should be. And when we function as we should be, guess what happens to the church of God? It flourishes and it prospers and it grows. And you, people see the beauty of the spring flower within the church. Wow, what a church. They're making a difference in our society. And we're not a social gospel church. We just go do social things. We have some of that activity. But our primary responsibility is to preach the gospel to those who are lost. Our secondary responsibility is to teach those or baptize and teach those that come to Christ. And our third responsibility is to continue to love one another until he comes and do the things he's called us to do. Look up. Our job is to look up. I spent time this week. Have you spent time just looking up going, Lord, today would be a good day to come. 
I know we don't tell him what to do, but every day is a good day for him to come, is it not? We're still praying. Obviously, come, Lord Jesus, come, but today's a good day. And matter of fact, it's cold. I'm sure it's not this cold in heaven, so today would be a good day for the Lord to come. Well, let's continue. I want you to look at 17 verses 21 through 23. And by the way, read the whole chapter. Jesus prays. I want to encourage you. Listen, you might think I'm crazy, but I want you to read it. Jesus prays for you. Y'all know, we just think he knows my name, right? That's not just a, a, just a fuzzy little song we like to sing. It makes us feel good. God knows your name. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. You don't even know that about yourself. And he does because he's God. And this passage is very clear. He says, Father, I pray for my disciples that they would be one as we are one. Keep them from this world. Not, not that you take them out of the world, but through the world they have to live here. Lord, would you be with them? Not only them, as he's going to say, but those that are to come. And by the way, this was written, right, some 2,000 years ago. So therefore, let's do a little math. We are that period of time to come. I am one of those. You are one of those to come. You're that Christian who Jesus was praying for. So you can actually put your name right there when he prays for you. Look at verse 21 and 23. That they all may be one as you, 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 Father, and and me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. We're a witness to the world, y'all. And the glory which you gave me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are, say it with me, one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Did God the Father love the Son? With the same love by which he loved the Son, God loves you. Does that mess you up? Because sometimes you don't, I don't feel loved. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel, go down the whole situation where you don't feel, and your feelings are a gift from God. But when they're out of sorts, listen, they salted with sin, you got to get rid of your feelings and come back down to what the Word of God says. And the Bible says God loves you. Jesus even said in John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life. First John says God is love. So whatever love that God the Father loved, God the Son the Bible says Jesus asked for him, and this is a prayer, I pray that they would receive that also, Lord, that you'd give it to them. And you think the Father says, nope, not answering that prayer. No, absolutely, because Jesus always prayed perfect prayers. He always asked perfect things. He asked, he said himself, according to the Father's will. So when we pray and think today, when I pray, I pray enveloped in the love of the Father. When I sing, I sing enveloped in the love of the Father. When I study the Bible, I'm enveloped by the love of the Father. He gives us the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide and our counselor. Hey, I love you enough. I'm going to tell you the truth. That's what he'll do. You say, well, I don't like it sometimes. God, I don't like this. This person makes me really upset. Love them anyway. Love your family. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. And he'll even get deeper in there and say, love your enemies. Don't you don't like that sometimes? Don't you don't like That's a terrible English I don't like that sometimes, me personally. Doesn't that make you angry? Lord, come on, just let me punch them and then love them, right? You ever feel that sometimes? Lord, I just don't want to love them because they're so hard. You don't understand these people. And it could be your children or your or parents or grandparents. It could go any way like this. We're to love them. We're to express the very thing that God has expressed to me and to you if you're a Christian today. And if you're not a Christian today, hey, I got news for you. God loves you. You can't outrun it. You can't move to another place. You can't paint yourself a different color. God loves you. Some of y'all look like you don't believe it. Everybody take your hand like your five fingers, if you would, like this. I know this is elementary day, so we're going to make the most out of it, okay? If I'm going to get trash talk, we're going to trash talk together, right? Just take yourself and kind of bless yourself and say, God loves me. Say it louder. Say it louder. That's how you should feel it. Listen, on those tough days, just remember, He loves me. Yeah, he knows you. He knows that dumb thing that you did and that sinful thing you said or thought. He knows all of that, yet he loves me. 
because God is love, and Jesus prayed that I would receive that love from the Father. Let's continue. I want you to see this. Of course, read Romans 15, 5 through and 6. Uh, you'll see that the unification of the body is what God is after. Fact check. The church is responsible to care for its members. If one member suffers, then the body suffers. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Striving for unity brings honor to Jesus, the head of the church. And that's Ephesians 4.15 where it tells us clearly that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The pastor's not the head. The deacons aren't the head. Uh, there's no head. We're a congregational-led church. We're, 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 this is the way we're designed as Baptists. If you ever want to know what makes us different, as our polity or the setup of the church is, we're pastor-led, deacon-served, body-approved. If there's a decision to be made, it's made within the body if it's a major decision. If it's a day-by-day decision, it's made in the office. There's some churches, if you're going to make copier paper, you've got to have a business meeting to vote if you can spend $100 on copier paper or whatever it might be for repairs. Did y'all know that? There's churches that have all these limits that say, this is the limit we're going to spend. And you have these barriers, and you have to have a meeting if you do that. Call a committee. Could you imagine being called off your job saying, can you come to church because we need to vote on if we need to buy uh, toilet paper? There's churches today that do that. Oh, no, we can't spend that money on toilet paper. Just tell everybody to hold it till they leave church. Well, God forbid, let's just close the door, right? So we know we function that way. So we function on the side of the day-to-day. Listen, so Mr. Derek, listen, our administrator, he keeps us rolling, right? But what I want you to understand, if we go to buy a property or sell a property or something major, it would have an impact on the entire church. It's coming to the floor of the church. Now we'll have breakout meetings to talk about them back there for about a month or two months, or whatever it takes, and then we'll bring it right here, and it'll be yes or no. Should we do this, yes or no? And there's been people in our church that says, I want to talk about it on the floor of the church. And we've been very clear. Our, our bylaws changed it. The Christian Law Association helped to change our bylaws. If you don't come to the breakout meetings, you have nothing to say when you come in this room right here besides yes or no. You say, that offends me. Well, we do it on Monday. It offends us when nobody comes to our meetings. We have meetings on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. When can we make it convenient for you? And when we have those meetings, if you don't come to those meetings, you have nothing to say. We were doing our school. We did the same thing. For a long time, we had those breakout meetings. And one man said, I will speak on the floor of the church. And I said, if you speak on the floor of the church, I will have security remove you from the floor of the church. He said, we'll see. And I said, okay, brother, you don't know who's back you're scratching. We'll see. And then he said, well, I'm going to tell you I'm voting against it. And I said, well, I'm telling you I'm voting for it. I said, we're still at zero. He said, well, my wife's voting against it. I said, well, my wife's voting for it. We're still at zero. He said, my son and daughter are voting against it. My son and daughter-in-law are voting against it. I said, well, guess what? My son and my daughter-in-law are voting for it. We're still at zero. Stinking going to show down with me over something that God's word has been very clear. We, we read through it. We, we set up something. We've prayed about it. And God forbid you come in here and walk in and you want to just cause disunity because you don't like something. You can take your fat lip and walk out that door and go be disunified with the devil anytime you want to. Amen? This is the house of God. And we have those breakout sessions. You can agree to disagree. But when we set up a guideline for each other, how we're going to function, listen, I'm not always happy with everything that goes on in the church, just FYI. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not. I've learned this 80% rule. I'm 80% good with it. And I have to eat my 20% slowly with my breakfast. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't want to respond to that. Listen, for the school, my mother was here that very day. I hated school when I was in school, and I still hate school today. The end. But it was of God that God was compelling us to do something. And so we went forth in Jesus' name. It has been, I can honestly tell you, it has been one of the biggest blessings of Town Creek Baptist Church for us to be missionaries to the community. We've had our mistakes, but it's been the hardest thing we've ever done since I've been here in 14 years almost. The hardest. We've been on mission around the world, but being missionaries day by day is extremely painful. And Satan has come against us before we began and Satan is still coming against us today. That's why you should be praying for our brothers and sisters and that God would hold us strong. Right now, we represent 27-plus churches in our community and our school that we're reaching out to. That's, listen, let's give God glory for that. That's, that's a praise to the honor and glory of God that he's doing a work that only he can do. So if I ask the question, are we perfect? The answer is absolutely not. Is it still school? It's still school, right? It's school. 
It starts at a time, it goes to lunch at a time, and it ends at a time. That's just one of our many ministries that God's called us to do, but it took a whole lot to get there where we are. God wants us to bring unity because of the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. Fact check, believers collectively are Christ's body and individually members of of it, each of us with our own special purpose and function. Some of us, the problem is we don't know what our purpose is. What is my purpose in the church? There's people who say, well, the church is too big or too small. There's no place for me. There's a place for everybody who sets foot in the place. If, if listen, well, we have guidelines, do we not? What if I have been arrested? Now, I'm going to ask you because there's kids in the room, and I'll, be, I'll try to keep it here. But what if there's gentleman A that's had issues with little children way back in the day? Do you want that gentleman to work with your children today? Well, we love him, we will forgive him, and we trust that God's doing a work in his life. He cannot and he will not ever be with anyone 18 and under. He won't drive the bus. He won't be a hall monitor. There's things you just won't do. You say, well, I don't like that. I'm just telling you, I used to be a children's minister for 13 years. The recidivism rate's incredible. So what we do, who wants their children safe at church? Raise your hand. Our grandchildren or anybody else's children. I do as well. I want them safe. And so we'll do whatever it takes to keep them safe. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know if you know this about your church, if you're a guest with us today or if you're about our church, every church is really two organizations. We are, and this is the gross, ugly side of American church, we are Town Creek Baptist Church Incorporated. Did y'all know that? Anybody know that? It's just like the, the nonprofit down the street. You don't have to like it, neither do I. I don't like it. But it's a corporation. In order to be a member of the corporation, you've got to be how old? of a corporation in America, 18. So you, people say, well, you mean I can't be a member of the church, but I, gotta be, I can be a member of the church globally, right? The Acts chapter 2 church, the Town Creek Baptist Church, the Town Creek Church, but I can't be a member of Town Creek Baptist Church Incorporated. The gross part of the side of that is, yes, that's true. You saved, you're part of the church, you're going to heaven. But in America, unfortunately, what we've done, how litigious our society has become Every church is a corporation, a nonprofit corporation. That's the business side. That's the money side. That's who's in charge side. And that's where most churches in America fight because they want to know who's in charge. No one ever argues. Pastor and the deacons have been arguing with me, and they won't let me go to the north side and preach the gospel over uh, where they, all those murders have happened. Nobody will let me go over there. They're always trying to resist me. Has anyone ever stopped anyone from going and sharing the gospel anywhere in Aiken or beyond? And that we encourage you to go. That's the church. The church is the fellowship that we do together. But unfortunately, we have that other side. And again, you don't have to like it, but if you leave here and go to another church, you're facing the exact same thing. It's the ugly side of being church in America. But we have a purpose. And God brings about administration in the church. He brings about service in the church. He brings about hospitality in the church. You can go down the list. We'll look at Romans 12 if we have time. But I want to finish here and I want you to see this. Fact check, God appointed and placed in the church first apostles chosen by Christ, second prophets, thus those who foretell the future, those who speak a new message from God to the people, third teachers, then those who work miracles, then those with the gifts of healings, the helpers, the administrators, and the speakers of various kinds of unknown tongues. And let me come back to that. Let me give you the last portion of this. Fact check, last one. No matter the gift received by God, each believer must exercise and put his preeminence on selfish Love. Next week we'll go into the love chapter. How about that? God let us land on the love chapter of February, 1st of February. So you get to know how to love your wife properly, spiritually, before you even go into the new year, or how to love yourself. It's the love chapter. But I want you to understand this. There was no Bible. Listen, there was no Bible at the time of Paul answering these questions. The Bible didn't exist. There were scrolls of Old Testament. But what had to happen is if the prophet preached, it had to match what the Word of God says, right? So if I took, if we could have a recording from someone with the gift of prophecy, would it match today what the Scripture says that we have in print today? If it talked about God, what would it say? The truths we have today. So if someone says, thus saith the Word of God, in the future, listen, there is someone, and, and they would basically would preach or teach, it would line up with what God's Word because the prophet is getting his direct line his line from the Holy Spirit. He's preaching, thus saith the word of God. Today, we I don't have a prophecy gift that I'm standing up 
prophesying the future, but I'm saying, thus said the word of God. And when I read prophecy, I don't say, because history says it came true, therefore it's true. Even if it hadn't come true yet, I'd take the word of God and say, the word of God says so, so therefore it is true. Do you understand? I don't need you or history to affirm or confirm what prophecy says, even though history always affirms what God's word says. So what I want you to understand is the gift of tongues. Some people just want to dive in, as I taught the sermon today, they want to dive into tongues, and they want to show you that they can actually be spiritual, and they can teach you. They say, listen, if you haven't spoken in tongues, start it this way. Start, ah, 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 ah. Start, ba, 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 ba. Start, abba, 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 ka, 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 ka. And they'll, they'll teach, they'll have classes where they, quote, unquote, teach you to speak in tongues. It cannot be taught if it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Man can't teach you God's language if it's directly from God. And the tongues would be a language. And the Bible says later, don't do it because some of you are in there showing off and you're actually saying, I'm speaking in a language and you don't understand it. Then, any boo boo, I have a speaking in tongues. I can speak a language you don't understand. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And you're going to see where tongues lands. And interpretation is the very last one listed here. But in the church, it was a port city. So many people were coming from so many different languages. There had to be a way for the gospel to be presented clearly. Have you ever heard my wife talk to someone who speaks Spanish? Good morning. When it just gets louder and louder and louder. Buenos dias. It's hilarious. She, she gives Miss Sonia a ride sometimes, almost uh, a couple days a week. And here, Sonia tried to speak Southern English with Wendy trying to speak Southern Spanish. It sounds like a cabbage stew. I mean, just whatever that looks like, all right? It just, it's hilarious. And when you don't speak the language, you normally just slow down and say the same words louder. Have you ever done that? It's of no value. It doesn't do any good. It's not doing any good just to slow down and get louder. That's the way the church was. So you want you to understand. There was the giftness. They were the, truly the church of God. The Spirit of God had fallen on this place. He had plans for them, right? He'd given them gifts. And their gifts were to, supposed to be given. So for what purpose? So that they might be one. But guess what they were doing? They're over here jabbering, saying some things in language. They were, they were over here, well, I got a word for the church. And they all wanted to be on the platform. They're just like, if you would, flies land on the platform. They want to be the first ones to listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Look at me, 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 look at me. Have you ever been to that place? I've been to churches where it's like, dude come flipping, doing cartwheels. And says, Let him go. <laughs> He's full of the spirit. No, all he's doing is going, look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. If you want to go do jumping decks and the spirit feels you to go jumping decks, go in the parking lot and get it out of your system. Right? Go praise God down there by the pond. Swim across the pond. Do all your crazy fanatics out there and then come back in here and let's praise the Lord. If you distract from the preaching of the word of God, if you draw off the name of Jesus Christ, shame on you, get out the door, go do what you got to do and then come back here and sit down, shut up and learn the word of God. Amen. Listen, there's no, there's room for prophecy. There's room for singing. There's room for amen. And there's room for clapping. There's room for getting excited. All that's good and room. But as soon as you suck all the attention to yourself, you've taken the attention off the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when we tell ladies, hey, dress appropriately when you come to church. When I first came here, many women dressed like they were going to the club. The bars. Do y'all know what the club is? And they would sit in the choir. When I sit up there one time for a special music, I'm like, oh, dear God. I saw more of some of our church members than I ever wanted to see. I'm, not, I'm just telling you the truth. And the second or third Sunday or fourth Sunday, I said, I told Eddie, the choir will never sit behind me again when I preach. Never. Because it's taken away. I'm trying to preach Jesus, salvation, and listen, repentance, and there's a show going on behind me. And there's people dipping like this, showing their disapproval for me. So that's why we don't, listen, and guess where the choir is? Look, we got pretty chairs. You're welcome to sit up there, but if you have dress, don't even make a move for it. Right? We're not here for you. You're not here for me, I hope. You're not here for the music, I hope. I hope you're here to come worship and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Make the most of him. Make him first. And if he's given you a spiritual gift, which he has, and by the way, I told you it's going to get heavy at the end, what are you doing with it? 
most of you, we're asking for help with the nurse. We're asking for help with security. We're having help with the greeters. If, you gotta, if you're saved, you've got you to at least one spiritual gift. You need to come forward and say, what can I do? Here I am. I submit myself to be of service. What can I do? And then do it. And you'll be so happy. You'll have joy in your heart going, I just feel like I'm serving the Lord like I'm supposed to. Get busy. You understand the fingers. You understand the feet, the ears, the nose. But do you understand you've been given at least one gift for this body of Christ here at 250 Town Creek Road? You've been given at least a gift, maybe more. The question is, are you a broken gift or are you using it for the glory of God? You've got to answer that yourself. As pastor, I know about who's serving where. And I can tell you, if, I, if you come up to me and say, Pastor, am I serving? Or some people avoid me. They won't shake my hand at church. They'll go out that way or that way after church because I know who's serving who's not serving. And teenagers can serve just like anybody else if you're saved. But if you're not saved... You're not serving at Town Creek. Do you understand? There's churches that just want to welcome people that are of, I've watched some of this Andy Stanley mess. Anybody can serve. It's not happening here as long as I'm pastor. If you're living an alternative lifestyle, you do not have permission to come into the house of God and act like one of us because you're not one of us. You're lost. If you're living in a sinful relationship, you don't have permission to come in and act like church of God. Yes, we're sinful people, but we've been redeemed and we have a purpose. And our purpose is to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your lifestyle is not bringing glory to Jesus, so therefore you're not going to spread it like gangrene in the congregation. It's just not going to happen. All right, we need to close up today, but I want to encourage you. Listen, if you're not serving the Lord, you've got to get busy. And if you're a guest here today, you've got to get busy at your church. Plant and go and grow. So the whole world would, might as well finish it. No, right? Let's pray together. Father, while we understand the elementary side of the, the body to the body of Christ. Lord, the hard side is you started throwing off titles of apostles and we're not an apostle. I don't know an apostle and I don't know any prophets and, but I do know some teachers and uh, I do know some helpers and I do know some people who can pray like crazy. Miraculous things have happened around them. I do know those and I do know those that are hospitable and I, I do know those that serve. And so Lord, today the ones that we are evident Lord, motivate us, move us by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to get off our seats and, Lord, and say, here am I, send me, Lord, even if you send me right here at 250 Town Creek Road. Because, Lord, together, we can do so much more together than apart. Now, Father, I know that I'm not responsible for talking to people in this stuff. The Spirit moves from people's hearts. And, Lord, if I offended by my word today, Lord, would you forgive me? But, Lord, if you offended today by the word, I pray you would motivate that person to respond. Respond saying, Lord, here am I, send me, as Isaiah said. Lord, we need your encouragement, but Lord, let us have courageous steps forward as well. Let us be bold in our faith. Pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.